Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. And welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Mark Griffith. I'm hosting today in place of Kevin Ray, who can't be with us. And we miss him dearly, but he shall be back shortly, and we wish him the best, whatever he's doing now, and um, hopefully we'll see him back on the next show. But in studio with us, on my sidekick, is a friend of mine, co-worker at Mortgage Investors Group, and a well-known radio host here in town, uh, Richard Swan. Welcome, Richard. Thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure to sit in and help you out. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really do. Because it's a lonely job up here as being a host of a radio show. Uh, that's why I love the co-host position of the Housing Hour. And speaking of the Housing Hour, thank you for joining us. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solutions for the past like 28 years. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, and it feels real good to do it. And we're really appreciative of you joining in. want to tell you how you can plug in. Um, thehousinghour.com, that's the treasure trove, as Kevin always says, the treasure trove of information. We've been on almost eight years now. Uh, this is going into our eighth year, and we have every single one of our shows in podcast forms up on the Housing Hour. And it's really simple to go to the search and search out whatever topic you want. And we've got a great topic today. We've talked about it before and had some great guests, but there's a lot of technology that has changed. But we'll get to that in a minute because I want to tell you how else you plug in with us through the social media platforms, Facebook slash the Housing Hour, Twitter at the Housing Hour. And uh, that's just a really good way to communicate with us, share some feedback, grab the shows online at the social platforms, and share them with family and friends because I think it's a, it's it's real important to do that. But um, before we get to our guests and bring them in, Richard, I want to kind of set up the stage what we've done in the past. We have a uh, ongoing series called Leave It to Cleaver, and I know a lot of listeners they actually emailed me to talk about some of his topics. This guy is the guru, Steve Cleaver, Cleaver and Associates, the guru of everything known to products in, in housing industry. And uh, we've had him on talking about several different topics, but one of the things that really sparked my interest was smart home technologies. He goes to a lot of different you know conventions out there, and he comes back with all this wealth of information and all these um, you know, partners in, in the field that he makes contacts with. And Steve sent me an email and said, hey, I've got this great idea for smart home technology, and it's in the solar energy field, and we think we'd make a great guess. So online with us, and I think he's out there somewhere, maybe on the west end of the coast. I'm not real sure he can tell us. We have Chris Fisher. He's the manager of solar production development and marketing with CertainTeed. Welcome, Chris. Are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be with you guys. Well, it's you know, we appreciate you. Now, aren't you at a convention right now, maybe? Or- I am at the uh, International Roofing Expo down in Nashville. In Nashville? Well, that is extremely west of our location. Wow, that's <laughs> fantastic. Well, if we'd have known that, we might have just had to send a limo down and bring you up here to our studio. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so, Chris, tell us a little bit about CertainTeed and, and and the background because it's related to the the solar energy. But you guys, CertainTeed, were really in the roofing construction part of the uh, industry 
tell us a little bit about the company. Sure. So Certainty is a, uh, oh, let's see, about a 110-plus-year-old building products manufacturer. Uh, we, we manufacture a number of products in the U.S., uh, roofing, siding, insulation, drywall, ceilings, uh, and also solar more recently. Yeah, and that's the part we're going to kind of zone in on because your specialty is specifically solar. That's what you bring to the table for the company. Is that correct? That is. That is. I've been in solar for about 13 years now. So tell me, where are you from, Chris? Give a little bit of background about yourself. Sure. I uh, grew up in New York, uh, went to school in Philadelphia, Woo-hoo. and just never really left. I've been kind of stuck there since, which is, uh, works out since Certainty's headquartered in, in Malvern, Pennsylvania, which is uh, about 20 miles west of Philadelphia. So you're talking to a Philadelphia kid born and raised. So that's yeah. I'm from Philly. From it's called a little place called Havertown, but I came down to Tennessee in in the uh, '70s. My parents brought me down, who were originally from Tennessee. So I know Philadelphia. I love the food. I love hoagies. I love (laughs) cheesesteaks, and I love tasty cakes, which a lot of a lot of people don't know about tasty cakes. Yeah, well, if you're from Philly, you you got to know about tasty cakes. <laughs> and that's my my passion there. But uh so you're you when did certain tea so they, I know that they've done some the roofing materials and stuff. When did they really start to focus on solar and why? You know, uh certain tea started probably in about uh 2006. This is before I joined them. But that's when they first started thinking about solar, and that's around the time that solar really started taking off. And so, um, you know, they worked for a couple of years researching, uh, developing products, and around 2010, we had our first solar product and uh, right after I joined. And uh, the reason that they thought solar was a good fit, um, a couple of reasons, but you know, Certainty's a, a building product supplier, and you know, two of the things we focus on as a company are occupant comfort. So we want to create products that improve the lives of the occupants of the buildings that are built with our materials. And uh, sustainability is another big piece of, of our business. And so you know, we thought solar is a, you know, it's a product, goes on a building, uh, provides sustainable energy and improves the lives of the occupants of the home or building by delivering that that sustainable renewable energy uh, at a cost which could save them a good deal of money. So and it made a lot of sense uh, and, and, in terms and it, of that, that alignment with the certainty strategy. And it's uh, certainly a lot better to have that close by, maybe on the roof, than a big old windmill or power windmill in the backyard. So there's not many renewable sources that you can bring to the house. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, you you, you could certainly put a big windmill in your backyard <laughs> if you like to, but uh, but solar is is something that uh, you know if you've got a, a decent amount of roof space, you can uh, put some solar panels up there, and you know you could very well end up generating uh, as much energy as you need in your home. Okay, and uh, let me let's get into um, Richard. Did you have any questions? Well, and I'm sure certainty. I'm sure you all are always looking for 
the latest in building products because solar is just one of the many products that you all offer or or specialize in and you do home you do building products for the entire home really don't you correct yeah yeah we're we're always looking at ways to to improve the uh the products either the performance or their their impact on the uh the environment of the home or the external environment so let me ask you this so our listeners can understand uh, certainty and how they can access products from the company. Um, explain to me the relationship that you have between uh, certainty and the end user, or not the end user, but the supplier who builds this. Uh, you can't go to Home Depot and find your products. Is that correct? You can't. Uh, you can't right now. Certainty. Uh, we primarily sell our products through building product distribution, and uh, the customers of building product distribution are contractors. And in turn, the contractors then use our products uh, when they're you know, remodeling a home or putting on a new roof or putting on new siding or uh, something like that. What's your distribution presently? Is it uh, mainly Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the, in the northeast area, or is it throughout the United States? It's throughout the United States. Mm. So, so somebody building a house in Tennessee now— you're located. You're right now at a conference in Nashville, so I would assume that there's Nashville builders or some Tennessee builders that have used your products. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Not uh, you know, solar is still a pretty small industry in yeah. in this this area, but uh, certainly the other building products are used every day nationwide. So let's talk a little bit about solar. Um, can you give us the the big picture of solar use, um, uh, and then kind of drill it down to how how these panels and and the solar cells are made up? Because I know we've done series on this uh, before mm-hmm. for several years now, and the products or the the, the terminology for the photo cells has changed. Can you kind of unwrap that for us? Sure. So, you know, solar is still a fairly young industry. You know, it's it's been around for oh, 25 years, maybe a little bit more than that. But the the only applications for solar until uh, for the first perhaps 15 years of that history has really been for um, space satellites, and right. uh, that's primarily due to, to two things, the, the high cost of the solar cells and the low conversion efficiency, meaning how much of that light is converted to electricity. Um, and in the last, I'd say in the last 10 years, that's really changed quite a bit. Um, there are a number of factors for that. One is uh, technology, right? the, the efficiency of the cells. Uh, you know, people have been in, able to come up with new cell structures and materials which really has drastically increased the amount of light that gets converted to electricity by that cell. Hey, Chris. And the other is... Um, hey, Chris, could you hold on? We're, we're going to hold your... Manufacturing. Hold that thought for one second. We're coming up on a hard break. We're going to pick you up on the other side. So well, this is the housing hour. We'll be right back. Before we get
Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. All right. Thank you. Welcome back to the Housing Hour. This is Mark Griffith filling in for the very verbal Kevin Ray. who can't make it today, but we're going to go on without him. And, but in the studio, helping me out, my sidekick and friend, colleague, Richard Swan. Always a pleasure to be here. Woo-hoo. So he's going to help me through. And uh, on the line, we got Chris Fisher from Certainty. We're talking about solar energy and solar panels and those types. And Chris, before the break, we had a hard stop. Um, pick up on uh, the, 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 the certain photo cells uh, that are on these solar panels that you all produce. Tell me about the technology behind them, what they consist of, because over the last years, they've really kind of changed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, right before the uh, the break, we were talking about the um, the tremendous cost decrease of mm-hmm. of these cells, and uh, you know that was the first reason I was talking about was um, was efficiency and technology, and the uh, improvement in the ability of these cells to to convert light into electricity, and the second is um, is high volume manufacturing. So. Uh, we've really seen an explosion in, in solar manufacturing capacity, which has been able to further drive down the cost of these solar cells and modules uh, and really make them affordable for the everyday homeowner. Um, and, you know, there, there are several types of solar cells. Um, you know, there are three main types right now. There's There are thin films, which are um, just as the name sounds, they're these very, very thin micron thin films that are develop, uh, deposited typically on a piece of glass. And then you've got monocrystalline and polycrystalline cells, uh, which are made of silicon. And they just, mono and poly just means that they have different crystalline structures, mono being one crystal, poly being multiple crystals. And uh, what we use in our products is monocrystalline, and that's because it's the most efficient uh, cell technology for capturing and converting light to electricity. And when you say the most efficient, uh, you you define that as as capturing and converting. Um, What about its life uh, expectancy? Is that different from the other products on the market? Sure. Well, all all products, uh, all three of those products, those solar cell types uh, are basically encapsulated between a piece of glass, usually, and then some other polymer films, which uh, keep them safe and protected from you know, UV and uh, moisture and other environmental conditions, which would uh, hurt their ability to generate electricity. And so they're all encapsulated in the same way, and they all typically have the same lifetime, uh, at least in, in terms of warranties from these manufacturers, which is 25 years. And Chris, we were talking earlier, you had sent some uh, some preliminary uh, answers to some questions in, and, and one of the things that was outlined were states like Hawaii and California, you have a higher penetration there than necessarily in your own state of Pennsylvania, which obviously you would be very heavy be right there to market it, but doesn't the environment have some degree of acceptability and different weather patterns? Because I know different areas of the country give higher rainfall, get higher sun. 
um, ratios. So does that have an uh, an immediate effect uh, as solar is developing? It it does, um, and that's a good question. You know, solar viability it's it's driven by a lot of factors, including the availability of sun, uh, and that's why you see typically these big what we call utility scale, you know, like thousands and thousands of panels out in a desert somewhere, right? And that's because they just get a whole lot of sunlight out there. Yeah. Now, on, and... res- on a residential uh, setting, you know, I think that uh, it's driven a little bit less by how much sunlight you get. Um, you know, if you think about Florida, Sunshine State, right? Um, great place to put solar but, you know, in a way, from a financial perspective, equally good is a place like Massachusetts, right, that doesn't get nearly as much sun as Florida. And then when you think of the, you know, globally, the, the leader in, in solar installations is Germany, and they get less sun than almost every state in, in the U.S. Uh, so it's it's driven partially by how much sun there is, but it's driven more by the economics of the um, you know the incumbent electricity provider, right? Which is which are utilities, and how much energy costs to buy from the utilities versus how much would my energy cost if I paid to have solar installed on my home and I could generate my own electricity for twenty five years? Absolutely, yeah. And I'm sure that also you have to factor in regional power sources because. Those vary quite a bit from state to state and from region to region. Um, you know, we live in an area that has a lot of hydropower, but not all of our power comes from hydro. People are also looking for renewable energy and more green alternatives to that. So that makes solar a very attractive, very um, worthwhile investment uh, that you're going to see a return on. And, and Chris, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, going with that point, this may be a great area, but, you know, a lot of the times some of the draw to our mountains and everything is the, the beautiful trees and, and um, you know, things that come close to the home that would shade the home. Um, when you put panels on, aren't, isn't that you fighting with Mother Nature there? Aren't, aren't you going to have to clear out around the house so you create a clear path? You would if you want to, if you want to put them on your home. Uh, you know, solar does not work well when it's shaded, either uh, shaded all the time or even just shaded for part of the day. Um, there are some other options, though. If if you can't put them on the home because of shading, uh, if you've got some property and you've got a, a, an open field nearby, you can certainly mount them uh, in that field. Uh, or they have um, more recently developed some community solar programs where uh, it's not quite a large field of, of solar panels like a utility scale, but it's a small-scale version of that that's designed to serve a community. And, and you can sign up for that program and then purchase uh, your electricity. And it's almost like a part owner of that shared system that's located somewhere where it gets good sun. Well, let me ask you, you you bring up the shared system. Um, Do most states, the electrical um, authorities that are within the communities, do most most of them participate in the the selling and buying back of energy that's produced from panels like this? Or is that 
a rub? Yeah, t- typically most utilities um, will compensate you for power that gets sold back into the grid. You know, they put limitations on it, either on the price that they're willing to pay for that or on the amount that you can push back into their grid. Mm. But uh, for the most part, most utilities will allow that. So when you have these, uh, did you have something? Well, I was going to say, he was talking about larger tracts of land. Mm -hmm. I mean, just about every farm around here has fence rows. So you're already putting in fence posts. You're already putting in stuff. It would make it very uh, logical to go ahead and put a solar panel kind of down your fence lines. And then you're also helping to generate power because you're talking about a lot of acreage. By the time you look at a... A hundred acres that's fenced and divided for for cattle's pigs, whatever, and then you put solar panels around the perimeter, um, and you are talking about the roofs and clearing away the tree line. Well, what's one of the major headlight headaches yeah. for homeowners? It's all those trees that drop everything on your house, and it all ends up in your gutter. Not to mention, so you're better to kind fire. of separate your tree right. line and maybe go with. Taller trees that are going to provide shade from a distance and not necessarily directly overhead. But um, I think solar has a huge um, advantage to that. And, you know, we just got the warning. We've got another break coming up. So, Chris, I'd like for kind of you to be thinking when we come back, let's get into one of the possible deterrence, which I see, or maybe neighborhood associations. Now, I'm a huge fan that your roof should be flat. Your roof should have no valleys, should have no, just because valleys and additional, you know, levels of roofing and all of that lead to leaking, in my opinion. So the more you can just do a flat surface and it all drains into one gutter, then I think that's best. So maybe when we come back, let's talk about if you all have to work with you know, homeowners associations, builders, and trying to maintain that um, that design factor. And I'm sure your designs are are very good because you even you also even talked about you've got products that are actually now the shingle that you put on are solar generating. Yeah, we'll be coming back, Chris. We'll pick that up, and um, uh, you can check out the housinghour.com, and you can find all of Chris's information and a link to Senator Teed, and that'll help you. You can see some of the pictures. We'll be right back right after these messages. You bring an energy I've never felt before. Some kind of chemical that reaches through my core. Feels like as far as you and me, I've never had a choice. You feel like home. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And we're back into the Housing Hour, talking about solar energy, solar panels. And with us, we have Chris Fisher on the line with us, talking about Center Teed, the company that he works for and designs some of these unique products uh, that go on the roof and roofing materials. Center Deed. CenterTeed.com is uh, the link if you want to go there and kind of check out their website. Of course, we're going to have it linked up on the Housing Hour so you can find Chris's information 
and the company link. But uh, Chris, certainteed, certainteed. What did I say? I think you said centerteed. Center, certainteed. My <laughs> fault. My excuse me. Certainteed.com. That's why I've got Richard Swan in That's studio right. with us <laughs> to help us. Certainteed.com. It's a great, easy website to remember. If you can get the right name of it, you can get right to it without a problem. Hey, you're going to post that. <laughs> I'm going to post the correct one. Uh, Richard Swan uh, had was talking to you about you know the aesthetics appeal of some of these designs and your products and we're going to get we want to talk about your products line that you have uh going into this um so tell us about how you guys incorporated the idea of how you blend in harmony into subdivisions and homeowners uh into these communities along with efficiency yeah absolutely so you know back when we first started uh told you a little bit about the history before, but, you know, we're, we're building products company. Roofing's a big part of our business. And uh, we we thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could make the solar the roof and mm-hmm. the roof the solar? Uh, and so that's what we've been doing for the past um, eight or nine years is we've got solar roofing products designed for asphalt shingle roofs and then also for concrete tile roofs. And a big part of that uh, was aesthetics and, uh, you know, some of the feedback we were getting from homeowners that said that they didn't like the big bulky look mm-hmm. of traditional rack-mounted systems. Now, we also have those products as well because there are scenarios where those will work just fine. Uh, some homeowners are less concerned about aesthetics, and sometimes the best place to put solar is on the back of their house, and so it's not visible to anyone from the street. But uh, for those that are conscientious of of aesthetics but still want solar uh, or who live in a homeowners association, Richard, you mentioned that, you know, that uh, where an HOA has some rules governing the appearance of your home, uh, solar shingles or solar tiles uh, could be a good way to add solar to your home, but uh, do it in a way that's less noticeable less obtrusive so if, if people go to the website certainteed.com um they'll see uh if when you find the solar piece of this i think a, a few product lines that you have can you can you talk specifically the name of the product line that you have and describe it to us um if you would absolutely absolutely so we've got uh i'll start with our, our solar shingle product that's called Apollo 2, and it's more than just the the shingle. It's a full roofing system. Uh, It includes underlayment, the solar shingle, the flashing to keep it waterproof and integrate it with the surrounding asphalt shingle roof. And so that's our Apollo 2 system for any asphalt shingle roof. And when we design this product, and this is true for the next one I'll talk about as well, uh, we look at both the both functions right it, it's a solar panel so it's got to meet all the safety and quality and durability criteria that a solar panel would have to but it's also a roof and so it's got to meet all of those criteria as well and you know certainty was able to uh, to, to draw upon this you know, long history in roofing and waterproofing and design a product that that could function as both the solar panel and the roof. 
And so that's the Apollo 2 system. And similar to that, we've got a Apollo Tile 2. And that's it's it's similar to Apollo 2 in the the form factor, the power output, but it's it's designed a little bit differently to fit with a concrete tile roof. And so certain areas of the country where there are concrete tile roofs, um, those also happen to just coincidentally be uh, places where, where solar is a fairly viable option. So we thought, well, even though we're not, uh, we're not concrete tile manufacturers, I think we could design something for a concrete tile roof. And so that's what we did. And the, the third product is what we call our solstice system. And that's the more traditional uh, system that's mounted on a rack and it's bolted above your roof. And, you know, what we do in that system is we, um, you know, we either source or manufacture various parts and we design them to come together as a fully functional system, meeting all the codes and compliances standards and has uh, really great performance. And then we put our, our, a certainty warranty around that entire system for uh, all the products, most of the warranty period, so 25 years. And we also, um, through our network of credentialed installers, can warrant that system for uh, either, can warrant the installation workmanship uh, of that system for either 15 or 25 years. So just kind of a solid offering, right, for a homeowner that's, that's considering making this significant investment and counting on it to generate a return for 25 years. Uh, I think that you know, having that warranty and the confidence and stability of, of certainty behind it is really a value for, for homeowners considering going solar. And and the the, the products that you mentioned, that for the first one you talked about, the Apollo Tile 2, um, and that integrates – and it looks like a shingle. Is that correct? I mean, it, so when you look at the roof, you don't have that raised platform like you would with the Saltus, uh, correct? It's it's more streamlined with the roofing system. It it is, yeah. It protrudes slightly above the the roofing system. And that's the you know the Apollo two that integrates with asphalt shingles. Um, so it, it's a bit higher. The surface is a little bit different because it's a glass surface. Uh, but generally, it, it can blend quite well, particularly with a dark-colored roof. But if you look at the pictures online, Richard, it looks really—I mean, it doesn't look—it looks like something other than a, a solar panel of the traditional ways of sitting above in a big boxy look, yeah. bolted to a roof. Looks more like a skylight or a yeah, yeah. Some, something. So it, yeah, it's it's very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, and and I was just kind of curious. Uh, you you mentioned twenty five year warranty on these things. Normal roofs have a lot, lot, you know, a little bit longer lifespan. Asphalt singer maybe thirty years on some. I say so. Twenty five is pretty, maybe thirty years. On maybe some. thirty. I think yeah. they're closer. So twenty five is not bad. So. Yeah, twenty five is is pretty good. But why that number? You know, that's uh, it's an interesting question and. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a uh, an exact answer. You know, uh, I could take a pretty good guess at it, and um, you know that guess would would be uh, based on you know I've been in solar for 13 years now, and it's always been 25 years. But back mm-hmm. when the solar cell and solar module costs were quite high, 
you probably had to wait nearly 25 years to get your return on that solar investment. Right, right. So it, it sort of makes sense to me that uh, that the, the solar cell and module manufacturers thought, well, if someone's got to wait around 25 years, we better be able to provide a 25-year warranty. And so, you know, they probably designed these things um, thinking, you know, with, with all the materials and the manufacturing we've got, we can probably make this thing last 25 years and feel pretty good about putting that that type of warranty on it. Well, and then the industry itself is only 25 years old, so, you know, uh, the products could end up lasting 30 or 40. Nobody really has had field testing for that long a period of time, so uh, you're just kind of designing and expecting something to to average. And, I mean, let's really be realistic. Anything that you're putting on the roof of your house is going through the harshest most extreme conditions of any other part of your house. You've got the blazing sun all day long, which damages tiles, it damages metal roofs, it it, it damages all of that. You've got hail that can occur. You've got heavy rainstorms. You've got sleet and snow and, you got and other things. And you got Clark Griswold at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> you, went, you went there, didn't you? <laughs> so, so you really, I mean... Yeah. You've really got, you know, and then you've also got water penetration that can get, you know, through asphalt shingles as well. And so then some of the subflooring roofs don't even last 25 years um, if they didn't have a good shingle layer on top of them or something like that. And Chris, on the other side, we're coming up to a break. On the other side, let's pick that up and ask you about how solid these things are in in these elements that Richard just outlined. And we'll we'll be back on the housing hour after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And we're back to Housing Hour. This is our last segment, so be sure to grab this podcast off our website, thehousinghour.com, and share them with families and friends, because in the studio, I have Richard Swan on my right helping me out through this show, and we have Chris Fisher with Certainteed.com. Certainteed is a company in Pennsylvania that does all sorts of uh, roofing and housing products. Uh, Chris, are you there? I'm here. Excellent. So coming off the break, uh, Richard had talked about some of the uh, you know things that can happen to up on a roof, the weather events, high winds, uh, hail and that type. How durable is the products uh, across the board? You know, solar is, uh, it's, it's typically very durable, uh, solar modules. These, these are made out of um, uh, tempered glass. They're laminated. They've got a, some sort of a frame around them, uh, which gives them some additional structural support. And they get tested to pretty stringent standards for wind, um, you know, uh, other loads, snow loads, um, hail, fire. And so solar, solar modules have, are, are actually a pretty durable product. So if there was damage, um, would 
the homeowner insurance, I, I guess, take care of that. Is, or is that a separate policy? Do you have to coach people through that? You know, I think each insurance company will handle this differently. But gotcha. you know, typically, if there's damage from you know, a, a natural event, hurricane, hailstorm, fire, something like that, then typically insurance will cover that. But yeah. uh, always best to check with them first. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, make sure make sure that uh, that you're covered. Yeah, I, I'd say that probably would be a good point. You might need a rider for any of those renewable energy sources in your home. Well, let's talk. You, you mentioned, you know, your, your recovery, your cost recovery, you know, producing the energy uh, through these panels. Do you happen to know offhand? I, I know each municipality is going to be different depending on your cost of energy and use and what you can sell back and, and, and save with this solar panel. But do you have an average of how long it takes to recover your initial investment on these panels? You know, I, I think it, uh, again, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it varies quite a bit. And I, uh, I think a range might be a little more informative and i'll try to tie that to to certain states so that uh, right. you can get a kind of sense of electricity costs and how that impacts the payback so you know let's take um california for example right california's got the most solar residential solar uh, by far of any state in the country and you know there they pay upwards of 20 cents all the way up to you know 30 sometimes even more in peak times, uh, $0.30 cents per kilowatt hour. And their payback for solar is probably in the three-year range. Mm. So you know, whatever it costs you out of pocket to buy and have that solar installed is recouped in energy savings in three years. Uh, wow, well, my that's good. That is question excellent. and answer. I mentioned Pennsylvania, where I'm from, and uh, you know, right now I pay, I think, about $0.12 cents a kilowatt hour. So if I took that same system that, that paid itself off in three years in California, put it in Pennsylvania at that lower electricity rate and factored in some of the other you know, uh, things that are specific to Pennsylvania, I'd probably be looking at about a 8- to 10-year payback. Right. And so... You know, that, that's about the range. It can go a little bit higher than that. You know, it, it, it could go a little bit lower than three years, but that's about the range that, that you're looking at, depending, you know, again, primarily on what you pay for electricity right now. But what, what you're describing to me is, is a lot better numbers than it was, say, five years ago or seven years ago, because when we've had experts on, it seems to me like the, the break-even was uh, – you know, in the 15 to 20 year period. So has there been that much of a technology improvement, you think? There, there really has been, you know, and some of oh, it goodness. is, I keep coming back to the, the technology and the efficiency. Um, some of it's that, some of it's just raw cost, uh, driving down costs through better manufacturing mm-hmm. and supply chain. Um, and, you know, most of it's been on the equipment side. What's been really hard for the solar industry to tackle is what you know, what we call uh, soft costs, right? All the non-hardware costs. How much does it cost someone to to sign up a customer, pay their sales guy, uh, do their marketing? How much does it cost to, to generate 
and file a permit and get approval from your municipality to install solar and how much does it cost to do all the paperwork to get your utility to allow you to connect the system to their grid. Right. And those have been really the the kind of stubbornly high costs that haven't come down. But meanwhile, the, the hardware costs and the, you know, the cost to install the system have come down enough that it's made it a fairly attractive return in a lot of, a lot of places in the country. Let me, let me, and, okay. and obviously, energy costs are not going to go down. So as energy costs continue to rise, um, the cost of the product probably will still see some downward trend as it gains in popularity and as manufacturing of it increases and you're able to to enjoy the cost of of you know additional production so um uh, i mean i'm, you, I'm you amazed see, with the numbers he quoted i know chris and, you ought to see richard's eyes right now they're spinning because he's thinking he's going <laughs> off grid in just you yeah. know in just a few short years but well let me ask you something um, you know, because since it's going down and obviously this is going to become uh, I, I see the predictions of these, you know, becoming more and more integrated in the homes. Um, does certainty actually uh, connect this to a smart panel in the home or do you leave the smart integration there to the local authorities? How does that work? Sure. So, you know, it, it depends. We We have a couple different types of electronics. There are, you know, and it, the solar modules get a lot of focus, but uh, you've got these electronics called inverters, which take the, the power that's produced by the solar panels and convert it into a, you know, a type of power that's basically identical to what comes in from the utility. It actually looks at the, the electricity coming in from the utility and syncs up with it. So um, these inverters... Uh, have different features, and some of those features, you know, allow for monitoring of the production of the panels. Could be even at an individual level. So if I have ten panels on the roof, I can look at all ten of them and say, "Well, number six, that one's looking a little low. Let me go have someone take a look at it." But these these inverters can also, uh, in some cases, monitor energy consumption. So you can look through the same portal at how much am I generating, how much am I consuming. Uh, and I think that inverters are going to be continually, um, you know, functionality will continue to be added to them so that they become smarter and smarter uh, and provide more and more information to the homeowner, which, which benefits them. Uh, and then, you know, if you factor in, uh, energy storage or, or batteries, which are still sort of on the horizon, but they're they're coming. Um, you know, you, you you could potentially see this inverter or uh, something in that place that really manages the energy in your home for you, which is a good thing. And and that's um, you know that that's energy costs are not going to go down. So anything that we can do to help offset that, to help do that, and especially even looking at homes that are more remote from the power source, uh, they have worse things during storms. So if you've got a solar bank up on top of your roof, then that helps you uh, provide some power during crises and during um, utility outages. So that's always a good thing as well. It's always a good thing. And, um, 
you know, Chris, we're coming up to the close of this show. Amazingly, these four segments have already blown through. It's amazing. But you've given oh. us a ton of information. Um, and certainty.com is a, is a good resource, and uh, they can contact you by email, true? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, right up there on the website in the contact us section. And I'll make sure that that's posted on on the uh, our the housinghour.com to make sure everybody can contact this. Any closing shorts, any closing segment, uh, any words of wisdom that you can offer us in about thirty seconds? Sure, just uh, you know, just to clarify Richard's point, uh, just that it's important for homeowners to know that most systems, when the grid goes down, the system goes down. Um, but with that said. Even if you lose solar during, you know, a power outage, uh, however many times that happens to you a year, you know, I think it's it's really for a number of reasons. It's a great time to be looking for solar uh, right now. You don't have to wait till the next latest greatest solar cell technology comes out or the costs yeah. come down. You know, it's, if you take a look at it, it it's probably viable Chris. in most cases right now. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And that wraps up the Housing Hour. See you next time. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know. So come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.